welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. Glimpses of the kingdom. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying the word kingdom, but for our series, we're focused on kingdom, the family, the kin of God, the activity and influence of God present on earth, here and now, in this space, and wherever we go through the family of God. Hopefully where we are, the heaven and earth reality overlap and coexist in the kingdom where people experience the way and will and reign of God through us. Amen? At least we catch glimpses of it. Yes, we embody glimpses of it. And those glimpses go a long way to keep us going forward. Amen? All right, so we talked about how we're born into this new reality, this kingdom thing, through our rebirth, through our baptism, in a way that we claim the church and we're going to commit to the church in the way the church is going to commit to us because we're not just a church, we're the very body of Christ, the family. And we commit to live and grow with our family and a household with a parent and siblings that we are going to fight and we're going to tussle and we're going to struggle and we're going to resist and we're always going to find a seat at the table for us and those around us. And then we talked about how we all have the same, we're of the same mind. Fortunately, the snow may have kept many of you from hearing that. But being of the same mind and of the same purpose does not mean we agree on everything. There are little things, little yeses to which we agree with, but there are big ones. We let the little ones lie, and we are blessed by differences of perspective. Amen? Everybody say amen. If you didn't, that's okay. I'm blessed by your perspective. But we have bigger yeses that are to be the kingdom, to share the gospel, that we follow one Lord. The other stuff, we can work out. The big stuff, we say yes to together. So this week, we're going to move from 1 Corinthians into the gospel account we call Matthew, and we're going to spend a few weeks on the Sermon on the Mount. If you don't know what the Sermon on the Mount is, it is a bringing together of all these teachings of Jesus and presented as one sermon that Jesus gives on a hill that they call a mount. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus is the new Moses. So if you know the Exodus story, you know Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, you know the the Moses story, Jesus is being told through that lens. Okay, so Jesus has avoided death by being killed from a powerful king. In Moses, it was Pharaoh. In Jesus, it was Herod. Then he's left his country to go to a neighboring land to seek refuge, to be a refugee. Moses left and went to Midian. Jesus left and went to Egypt, which is meant to kind of raise an eyebrow. Came out of Egypt, out of that And then came into the waters of the Jordan and passed across Jesus' baptism, Moses and the people into the promised land. And in this point, in this work, Moses ascended a mountain to receive the law from God. And now Jesus is going to ascend a mount to give a word from God. And let's remember everything that's happened up to this point in the gospel, Matthew 5, verse 1. I mean, we're just getting started. Jesus was just baptized in chapter 4. Everything's been a shock and surprise. Mary and Joseph were not expecting things to go the way they did. The kings from the east that came and knelt at Jesus' feet were not expecting what they found. Herod wasn't expecting it to be a child. Herod was surprised. John the Baptist was shocked that he wasn't going to be baptized by Jesus, but he was going to do the baptizing. 
And then the disciples are being called, and they're going to be in for a surprise of their life for the rest of their life. Jesus is doing something no one has ever imagined or anticipated. He's bringing the kingdom into the world with a message. And the message is, at this point in the gospel, repent, rethink, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Believe the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. To enter the kingdom at hand, it seems we must rethink. We must repent. People are going to struggle to do this. Yeah? But Jesus keeps at it anyway. So we come to our passage today, and I want you to keep in mind the Sermon on the Mount is regarded as the greatest sermon ever given in our Christian faith. The greatest sermon ever given, and we're going to hear the opening lines. So take that in for what it is. Let's hear them now. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will seek God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of God in scripture, the word of God among us, the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. The new law on the mount begins with these blessings. Moses received ten words. Thou shalt not, how we say it, but it was more or less don't do. There's just a little two letters in Hebrew you put in front of the thing you're not supposed to do, and it means don't do it. Ten words, Jesus gives nine or ten, depending on how you count them, of these pronouncements of blessing about the kingdom, the reality coming in around them that they're starting to glimpse, maybe. What a list. You've heard them before? Blessed are? Yeah. We know that Paul says that the the ten words, the law, the commandments, that as wonderful as they are, as divinely given as they were, they were also a burden upon the people because no one can follow them, so it just simply reveals how much we fall short. Before the Ten Commandments, you don't know what God wants exactly. But then you get them, and now you know, and now you're like, can't do it all. Anybody here ever perfected the Ten Commandments? Good. No, nobody falsely giving a false testimony. That's good. So we, we look at these 10 and, and we hold up the Beatitudes, and I think sometimes we don't know what to do with them. I know there's been fights in my lifetime to hang the Ten Commandments in public spaces, particularly those of law. Isn't that a weird thing to hang? Something no one can live up to. Something we've been freed from, Paul says. Yet we fight to put them up. Why? I think I know why, but it's kind of funny when you think about it. What if we hung... The Beatitudes, 
Latin, beatus, blessing. We call this list of blessings beatitudes. What if we hung them in the places? We wouldn't know what to do with them either. We kind of don't know what to do with them. So we sometimes take them and overlay them on the law as if these are the new laws. These are the new ways we're supposed to live, which all it does is reveal to us how much we fall short. Amen? Maybe it wasn't about that. Maybe Jesus didn't give it to us to show us what will never be. Hmm. Jesus is trying to free us. Amen? So Jesus is going to give us more things to be burdened by. Amen? So then what are they? They aren't a list of ways we're supposed to live. They weren't meant to be. And if you can find ways to live them, great. That's great. You're, you're going to be blessed, right? But maybe that wasn't the point of giving them. Jesus pronounces blessings upon the disciples. He sat down, which is what a teacher does when they're about to officially teach. And notice the disciples come forward. Those who were following Jesus, and there were many, Maybe they were just waiting for something exciting to happen, but when he sits to teach, it's the disciples who draw near because they want to know. They want to learn. And so he gives them this list. These people following him at this point in the gospel are Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And then there's large crowds from all over, from beyond the Jordan, from the Decapolis, this mixture of Greek-Israelite cities, from Judea, from Jerusalem. It's quite the crowd, all sorts of different people. But it's the disciples who draw close and we are too, to draw close. Now, what they've seen to this point is Jesus heal and say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he always does them together because healing is announcing the kingdom and announcing the kingdom is bringing healing and they go together. So that's, that's what we know at this point in the gospel. The people following him, they're glimpsing something, but they're not quite sure what to make of it. And we should take comfort in that when we're confused by this and other things in our faith. Think about that Jesus' disciples spent every waking moment with him and went everywhere he went for three years. And at the end, Jesus is like, oh, you guys don't get it, right? You still don't get it. So if you don't get it, you're struggling, you're supposed to. You're supposed to. The need for rethinking is very real to keep growing into the kingdom life. So these blessings, these pronouncements, they require us to sit and pray and think about them again and again and adjust our thinking and adjust our thinking and keep rethinking and understanding. But how do we do that? What should we think about besides reading them? It's a good question. I want to focus on one of them. Okay, we'd be here all day if I did try to do all of them. And I'm not even going to give you all-encompassing and the perfect understanding of one. But I want to offer us some tools that we can process the one, maybe in a different way, that then we can take and look at the others over our lifetime. Does that sound agreeable? It's good, because it's happening. We're going to deep dive on it. Now, beyond the invitation to come and see the kingdom at this point, Jesus sits down and offers the teaching, and we just heard it. So let's start at the beginning of that teaching. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The word for poor is not the general word for poor. There are different words in the Greek for poor. This particular one isn't speaking to the vast majority of people's, or Jesus' contemporaries, all of those who are taxed, 80, 90%, who are trying to farm and do their thing every day and have enough on their plate so they can eat the next day, they can provide for their family. You know, they fasted for a day, not because it offered some great spiritual discipline. It did, but they fasted so they could give a day's worth so that someone else could eat. They could only give it if they didn't eat. 
But this isn't the word for that poor. This is the word for the poorest of the poor. The word literally means bent over, hunched, weighed down, broken. Those who are begging for money, every scrap they can get, not the people that stand at the intersections. Most of them, some of them do quite well, right? They do quite well. They live day to day. They might be the other poor, but Jesus is talking about the poorest of the poor. The poor in spirit refers to those who belong nowhere. They have nowhere to belong. They are the people who don't have a family they can turn to for whatever reason. Maybe they don't have a tradition and a way to understand life through the eyes of their parents or people that loved them. They are removed from a home or any semblance of it. The poor in spirit are the people who don't belong. They don't have a job. They don't have a company. They don't have a motto and mission of their company. They don't have people who take care of them and give them a paycheck. They don't have people who they work alongside and maybe connect with on maybe a shallow or deep level. These are people who don't have any group. They don't have a club. They aren't part of anything. They aren't soldiers. They aren't generals or privates and all under the mission and the understanding of what it is to be a part of this bigger group. These poor in spirit do not feel blessed, but Jesus pronounces their blessing and says theirs is the kingdom of God, not theirs will be. Theirs is the kingdom of God. And I imagine the face of the disciples is like some of you. What? Or especially those who were the poorest of poor if they happened to make it out there. Blessed. But let's think about them in a new way. Those who don't belong anywhere aren't caught up in any kind of system, right? If they don't have a family heritage, that means they aren't living in a way that brings honor or shame for their family. There's no pressure to live into any ideal. If they aren't part of a company or an entity, they don't feel the pressure to be whatever that company expects them to be. There's not an expectation. They don't receive anything from anybody, but they also don't owe anybody anything. They feel no obligation to reinforce the politics wherever they experience them. Maybe it's at school, because we all experience those. It could be at your job, because you all experience those. It could be in any club or group that you're a part of. You experience the expectation, yes? You get a promotion, and there's a little more expected of you for the good of the company, right? They'll give you a bigger paycheck, but you owe them a little more, too. If you don't belong to a group, if you owe no one allegiance, if no one provides you with anything so you don't owe them anything, you can see these things for what they are because you're not blinded by what it offers you. If you don't have wealth, then you aren't fighting to grow it or protect it. You aren't fighting with family members who may be conspiring to try to figure out how to get it from you. You're not dealing with any of that. You don't have it. There's a freedom there. This is why the rich young ruler will not enter the kingdom. He comes to Jesus and says, I follow all the laws. So what do I do to enter the kingdom? And Jesus says, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And he can't. That's all he knows. That's his security. His status and his role as a human being is tied up in being a rich, young ruler, and he's afraid to walk away. And can we blame him? But... You have no security. Nothing will stop you. Nothing will distract you. In fact, you can look at the systems around you, see them for what they are. You can critique them. And you know it's not out of any self-serving 
manner. Because you owe them nothing, they give you nothing. You can critique them. You can appreciate the good things. You can reject the bad things. You are free from their allure. You're free from their manipulation and expectation. Those who are poor in spirit are blessed because theirs is the kingdom, the kingdom. They have nothing else. There is nothing standing in the way. They aren't blinded or distracted. They see things more clearly than we might ever know. And there are people right now, not too far south of us, who are feeling poor in spirit about what's happened. And right away, we kind of take sides, don't we? When we read it, when we watch the videos, we realize what it is we're standing for, what system we're promoting and trying to defend. We feel our allegiance. But those who have none of that, I wonder what they see. I wonder what they are seeing. I wonder how we might listen. And the same goes for those who mourn, who are meek, who hunger and thirst for justice, those who are merciful, those who are making peace, those who are persecuted for the sake of fighting for justice, those who are reviled and abused and slandered because of the work they do in Jesus' name for the kingdom. They are free from the snares of the world. They see more clearly and they have much to say and offer us. That's the point Jesus is making. The kingdom reality is a blessing because now they have a place to teach. And the reality outside of the kingdom, they're nothing, they have nothing, they are nothing, but in, they're blessed. They are children of God. They will inherit the earth. They have the kingdom. Amen? We're supposed to be uncomfortable with this. That's the point. While the poor and the meek and the merciful and the mourning and abused and empowered and encouraged, they are empowered and encouraged by these pronouncements. Those who have nothing, they hear what Jesus is saying, blessed, tell me more. And those who aren't experiencing those realities are like, what do you mean they're blessed? That's not a blessing, you know, we're, we're uncomfortable. But it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's part of our growth. There are growing pains in every other aspect of our life. Why wouldn't there be in faith? Discomfort and uncertainty, take comfort in them. Because when you're so comfortable and certain, you don't think about those things. They just are. But when suddenly you're rocked and things are brought into question that haven't been before, well, you're suddenly taking a step back in a way that allows you to look and critique and adjust and reject and appreciate and see things. And it's not fun, but it's a good place to be. Amen? So what does all this have to do with the kingdom here and now? What if we read the pronouncements differently? That's what I want to offer. I'm going to read them differently. Let's read them like this. Blessed are the churches who make room for and embrace those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are churches who make room for and embrace those who mourn. Blessed are churches who make room for and embrace those who are gentle, who are meek. Blessed are churches who make room for and embrace those who fight for justice. Blessed are churches who make room for and embrace those who are merciful and forgiving. Blessed are churches who make room for and embrace those who are singular in focus. Blessed are churches who make room for and embrace those who heal divisions. Blessed are churches who make room for and embrace those who are persecuted for the sake of their fight for justice. Blessed are churches who make room for and embrace those who are abused and slandered for their work for the kingdom. We may not know how to embody the things and the blessings, 
But there are people out there who do. There are people out there who are mourning. Do we make room for them? How do we make room for them? How do we connect with the poor in spirit, with the merciful, with those fighting for justice? What if this church sought them out, embraced them, truly opened our minds and our hearts and our doors as good United Methodists do and allowed them to speak and teach us? We would be blessed. Amen? We have some of these voices already among us. But in our system and reality, we rarely question. The certainties, they sometimes drown out the other voices. We don't even make room and they know it. No sense even speaking. No one's going to listen. I'm going to be shut down. I'm going to be labeled. I might even be pushed out. Maybe we just give those among us a chance to speak and tell their story, those who have been abused, those who are mourning. What if we trusted Jesus' beatitudes? The good news is that Jesus brings the kingdom in life and all who have ears to hear and actually hear. So let us sit with these pronounced blessings over the coming weeks in your own time. We're not going to read them again next week, but I invite you to read them. Read them again and again. Talk about them with somebody. Consider who are the poor in spirit of today? Who are those who mourn of today? Identify them. Try to see them. Maybe even try to speak to those who are within arm's reach. Let's consider the blessings that they offer us, the blessings that we can offer them. Let's be a disciple. Let's sit down and consider the teachings of Jesus. Let's consider how we can be a part of the kingdom at work, that the blessings can come in and through and around us, and we can glimpse the kingdom every step of the way. Amen? Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com. 